What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by one of the other two hosts of No Nonsense. Matias is out this week, but I am joined by Will Lomas as we are set to recap uh, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson's very long uh, conference calls with the media on Wednesday, they talked collectively for well over an hour, um, and, and we got a lot of good information out of them. And so we're going to recap some of that stuff. Uh, we're going to have Teresa Walker from AP on later. She'll recap some of that with us as well. We've got lots of news to get to, a couple of free agency tidbits, and we're also going to talk about this uh, the, this Chat 10 Sports media versus fans poll that has been going around twitter will you and i are both in it uh yeah i think we're both losing as well yes so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, great we'll talk, vote of confidence from we'll, us we'll talk about that in more detail a little bit later uh, if you want to follow the show please do by going to at no nonsense pod twitter and facebook follow or subscribe to the show wherever you're listening you'll get faster and easier access to all of our new episodes let's start with this will wednesday morning we get the news via his agent that Kamale Correa has signed a one-year, $3.5 million deal to re-up with the Titans. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's pretty frustrating. Uh, I'm not as much of a uh, Kamale Correa truther as I was like in terms of him not being very good because for whatever reason on the back in the back half of the season I think it was in his last seven games including the playoffs he had four sacks and those sacks were against 
Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. So, like, if you're going to be able to take those quarterbacks down, give or take a Derek Carr, like, that's a pretty impressive list. Like, it's not like you're taking down, you know, Jameis Winston, who runs directly into you, or Jacoby Brissett, who, like, falls down and takes a knee. Like, I mean, you're, you're going against generally athletic guys or guys who don't like to take sacks. So, you know, if he's going to be the guy that we saw in the back half of the season, great. If he's going to be the guy we saw for the first 24 games of his Titans career, three and a half million dollars is not a bunch. It's good to have depth. It's good to have somebody you're familiar with, especially when, you know, we're in these weird uncertain times where it helps to have somebody who knows the defense already. But I, I don't know. It's not super inspiring. Two, there's two things I want to say about this signing to kind of play off what you were saying. The first being that while I wasn't necessarily expecting this, it was always kind of in the back of my mind is like, oh, yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I think our friend Terry McCormick reported a week or two ago that they had an open offer to him. So it was like, hey, you can come back for this much if you'd like. And I guess he took that offer today. Uh, so, so that's one thing. It's just like it's not really that surprising because Vrabel talked so highly about him. Then number two, like you were saying, Will, we really did see two different Kamala Correas in 2019. The good one from sort of the second half of the season on that made all the plays you were talking about. But then I remember, like, the first half of the season, we would constantly have the discussion on here of why is Kamala Correa playing so much? You remember those days? Because he, he played a ton last year for them. Yeah, like, we... Mainly this stemmed from frustration, at least on my part, from them not playing Shree Finch because Shree Finch would come in and have a tackle for loss and then immediately be pulled for two series as Kamala Correa came in there. And see, like, <laughs> this this seems like I'm going in harder than I mean to, but he seemingly would just not do his job. Like, there would be a guy, he's supposed to set the edge, a guy runs right past him on the outside and he tries to grab him and just misses. And so now you have... I guess you can call it a missed tackle when really the running back or whatever wasn't even touched. And so at that point, you're like, okay, Vrabel's all about accountability. This guy's not doing his job. This other guy is. Why isn't this half? What's what's the disconnect here? And I guess it turns out that Shree Finch's shoulder was bad enough to where he got like medically red flagged or he didn't get cleared when he tried to sign with the Bengals off the waiver wire. So I guess – we know the reason why Finch wasn't playing. It wasn't his fault as much as it was he just couldn't be on the field for a certain amount of time, whether it was pain tolerance or whatever. But, I mean, it seemed like a long time like Correa either wasn't comfortable or he wasn't aggressive enough or something was wrong. Now, that like we said, that changed towards the second half of the season, but I don't know if that's because at the same time you also had Jeffrey Simmons playing lights out you had Rashawn Evans, who seemed to get better and better every game. I, I don't know if it was so much just him in a vacuum getting better or if everybody around him was also stepping up their game at the right time and it just made it easier for him to make plays. So, I mean, we'll find that out going forward. But it, this is not one of those signings where – you look at it and you're like, okay, this will stop them from doing this. Or, okay, you know, this is a guy who fits this role for you. You can move on. Like, it's more of a, like, pull in, you know, pull in case of emergency. Like, 
you can use them if you have to, but you should still be trying to upgrade, which is why, I mean, that's why you got a one-year deal. So it's not, it's not a groundbreaking signing. It's not super, super important right now, depending on what happens the rest of the off season. But if we get another situation where a, a guy plays because he's a veteran and familiar with the team and he plays, you know, 30% more snaps than he needs to, it will be frustrating. And at that point, it does seem like it's a Mike Vrabel quality. We're going to talk some more about what the edge group would look like with Clowney once we get Teresa on. But as for it, you know, as it stands right now, it's a very interesting group in that there's obviously, you know, Harold Landry is the top dog, but he's someone that's, that's never had 10 sacks before. And so you look around the group and it's like there's no stud in that group per se. But there's a lot of talent. I mean, I, I don't. You certainly could not make the statement that the Titans need talent at, at edge because they don't. Um, it's just maybe too widespread. So I want to ask you, well, what you think about that first? Though I'm going to play you the audio from the conference call earlier today when, when I asked John Robinson what he thought about the edge rush group, and in his answer, he he highlighted especially. Uh, the depth and the youth that they have at that spot. I think it's a, I think it's a position group that's got that's got good depth. I mean, you've mentioned them. You know, we we added Vic with KC back in the fold. He played some really good football for us down the stretch. Um, Landry Landry had a good year last year. Anxious to see Walker and, and what he brings to the table. You know, Reggie Gilbert had some meaningful snaps uh, along the way, and then uh, Roberson. You know, kind of as a as a pass rush guy really factored some at the end of the season for us, for us too. So it's, it, it is somewhat of a younger group, if you will, but I, I mean, it's, it's an athletic group um, that, that has some speed. And, and I think the, the depth of that position um, is, is pretty good right now. doesn't mean we won't add somebody, um, but I feel pretty good about where we're at from a depth standpoint. Okay, Will. So, so what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on this edge rush group that the Titans have? Because I feel like, over the years when we've done this podcast, it's a group that we always come back to this time of year. Yeah, Edge is a player or a position where you can always have more players, although the Titans are really testing that because they do have, I don't want to say too many players, but you've got a lot of redundancies. Like, I think Vic Beasley, Roberson, and DeAndre Walker are all kind of the same role. Like, I think you want them on the field on third downs. Like, I don't think – and you can throw Gilbert in that group as well, but I don't think Landry fits that because I think he can do more. But I, I, I like the depth. If you're going to have guys who can do one thing, you want to have as many pass rushers as you can. If they had five guys who could stop the run, that wouldn't help them. But, you know, you got you got a lot of different flavors of vanilla. And that's great if you need vanilla, but if you need chocolate, it's it's bad to just keep paying money to those guys. So, I don't know. Like, I if I was giving it a grade, I would probably give it a B minus because I think they have their number one guy in Landry. I think we all know that that's how I feel about him. I think they need a second guy, or they need two guys: one guy to come in on base downs and one guy to come in and rush the passer like Vic Beasley. And I think they have half of that equation already, but I don't know that they have got a guy that they feel really comfortable with on first and second down. So if they get that other guy, you know, 
the draft, clowny, whatever, then it goes from being a B minus to an A minus because now you're you know you've got your depth, you've got your role players for each position, and you've got you know you've got everything you need in terms of checking the list off. You may not have an elite elite talent, which is why it's not an A or an A plus, but you've got enough to get by and then some. So as a whole, I like the group right now. I think I like DeAndre Walker a lot more than other people do because I just think he's a really – impressive is a vague word, but I think how he uses his length, his motor, you know, there's a play in the SEC championship game everybody should go check out where he causes a fumble halfway down the field when he tackles the wide receiver. Just go look it up. It's, it's great, but – I think this team is deep and talented at edge. Could they use a star? Yes. But other than that, I don't really have a complaint. Let me pose this quick scenario to you. Let's say you know, you're know you John Robinson, and you're sitting at 29, and you're on the clock. And wouldn't you know it, it has worked out so that as you're on the clock at 29, there's a perfect fit for your scheme at every single position, what position do you draft? Oh, that's that's a really good question. Um, and this is – we're not assuming anybody else signs with the Titans. We're just looking at it right now. Yeah, right now. I, I think you have to draft a slot corner like because they just don't have one. Like, yeah. You just don't have the bodies. I okay, well, well, let's, let's say Logan Ryan comes back. Now it's interesting uh, yeah. because I don't know. Like, um, I mean, I think there are a lot of options. I think you could go running back, honestly. I, th- I think maybe a little too high for that. But certainly, you know, if there's an ideal fit sitting there, I could see a defense for that. Certainly pass rusher, both interior and on the outside. Probably not inside linebacker or safety because those are two positions where they're very, very set. Um, but corner, even still, if they have Logan Ryan, maybe tackle, mm. tight end. You know, there, there's lots of options they could go. And I think that's what makes this draft exciting, Will, in that I think in years past we've been able to highlight a position or two where we think they're probably going to go, whereas this year it can be virtually anything other than quarterback or safety. Yeah, last year was the first year that John Robinson didn't try to replace snaps with a first-round draft pick. So, yeah. uh, you know, Williamson, then you had uh, Dory Jackson and Corey Davis before that. Like, it's always been pretty clear that if he can, he will replace somebody who played 800 or more snaps the year before. That's just how he's used the first-round draft picks. Simmons threw a wrench in that because— That was pure BPA, though. Yeah, but that but that's what that's what I'm saying. It's it was such a unique case because he was so don this I mean he was so dominant and he can do things that are very unique that you can't just find and as we see now he also saved them 10 million dollars you know this year oh, and yeah, yeah. almost 30 over the next 2 years. So like if thinking long term it was a great decision. It all worked out well. It was different and weird, which is why I didn't like it at the time. But, it, you know, just going back to Robinson's tendencies, he's always wanted to draft somebody who will play immediately. And that this is 
generally always a good strategy for a first-round pick. No matter who tells you that they should draft a BPA and sit them, it usually does not work out well. Those guys usually end up being unfinished products because they don't get enough reps in practice. Yeah, but that's not what the Titans a, did. They didn't no. do it and sit him. They didn't Correct. play him. Yeah, and they played him as much as his knee would allow, and he was the best defensive lineman on the team last year. So if if they draft somebody, I expect that person to play year one, no questions asked. So I would rule out offensive tackle because I don't think they want to do that to Dennis Kelly. I don't think that's how they view Dennis Kelly or else they would have kept Conklin. So I'm going to rule out offensive tackle. Um, I think guard is going to be too – that's it's the wrong place to take a guard. I don't think. Oh yeah. Valued. Well, and, and back, I th- I think it would be a mistake to not give Nate Davis a second shot. Maybe maybe next year you pull the trigger on that, but it's not like he was a liability for them last year. No, and you can you can draft somebody in the third round who is from you know a smaller school like they did with Nate Davis last year, and you just try to kind of skew towards athleticism, and then you either get a good backup that you can rotate, or you get a guy who you know can play immediately. But either way, that's not the first round pick. A tight end, it's not going to be a tight end. The position that I always come back to when I'm doing these mock drafts is how invested are they and running that two tight end scheme. Because if they get away from that, there is some value in going wide receiver. Because this will be, by all accounts, a pretty phenomenal wide receiver class. Um, They're going to draft one on day one or day two. They're not waiting until day three as I see it right now. It it definitely feels like the value is going to be too much for them to ignore. And so you can look at a guy like T. Higgins in the second round with how mock drafts are going after he ran so poorly, you know, you can kind of see like, okay, he has, you know, 2000 order seasons, the 2000 yard receiving seasons in a row, which is Robinson's MO. So that's, that's interesting. Would they pull the trigger and try to trade up, you know, maybe not up to, you know, 15 or anything like that, but almost like, uh, I think it was the Patriots who jumped in, the, in a couple of drafts ago, who you know jumped all the way from uh, the late twenties, early thirties to like right at that twenty nineteen range, and they took an offensive tackle, but uh, this time do it with a wide receiver in this really deep class. So I, I, don't, I just don't know. Like wide receiver for some reason always pops out to me when I'm doing these. Just too much value. It's too interesting of a position and. You know, I, I've said it a bunch of times because this just keeps sticking out to me, but it really seems like if the Titans are going to decline the option on Corey Davis, which is what which, which they like, are, they are. Yeah, like it, it certainly feels like that. And if they're going to do that, and we just saw what that happened with Conklin when they did that, where even if Corey Davis has an amazing season, it looks like they're not willing to pay market price for those guys once they pass on them once. Because there was no reason not to pay Jack Conklin with everything we've seen, you know, over the past month. Yeah. So that that tells me that if they pass on Corey Davis, they're done with Corey Davis. It's just they're they've got to play out the year. It's just like a lame duck process. So if they already know that, why not just draft a wide receiver that you can work in now and you don't have to put so much stress on him in year two or exactly. in year one next year? Exactly. And, so, and I think I think that that's one argument. For taking a receiver moderately high this year, the the whole you know he's probably going to be a starter next year. 
And then I think the second argument is this, and I, I wrote about this the other day. Think about before even Humphreys got hurt, how many snaps Tajay Sharp was playing. So just think on that for a second. And then the follow-up is, would you want Khalif Raymond or Cameron Batson playing that many snaps? Because if you don't draft a receiver, they are. Because that's yeah, it. I mean, you've got you've got your top that, three: Corey Davis, we talked about. You got Adam Humphreys, and you've got the stud AJ Brown. And then immediately behind that on the depth chart is Batson and Raymond. Yeah, like that's that's a great point. You know, it, I think they really like Khalif Raymond. I think he did kind too, of everything they asked for. What him. he is, yeah, like. Well, that, and that's what I was going to say is like in as much as they like those guys, I mean, they've liked plenty of guys that they've buried on the depth chart because it wasn't the best thing for the team. Like, I mean, what we've seen I now, mean, I, I don't want to talk about Casey because like that feels, you know, it feels like I'm kind of <laughs> doubling down on this. But like we've seen them draft guys when they say, OK, this guy's about to turn 30. We think in a couple of years we're going to move on. Like, I mean, they can't be that attached to Khalif Raymond. So if they can find a guy personally, and I don't think you'd have to trade up to do this. You could do it at 29, but uh, Hamler from Penn state is an absolute speed demon. And he didn't run the 40, but that didn't stop the Titans from drafting Corey Davis. Like it didn't stop the Titans from drafting Jeffrey Simmons. Like that they have not, been, and, and he talked about this in the press conference today, but they've not been beholden to athletic testing. They like you to test yeah. well, and it's always a good sign if you do. They, you know, they drafted Adoree Jackson, who was an Olympic level athlete. Uh, but at the same time, like they use it, and like we've talked about, this is the right way to use it. But they use it as the numbers tell you the things you can't do, not the things you can do. Exactly. So, they use it as a filtration system to get the best players kind of ranked correctly on their board. So if you don't have numbers from Hamler, I can tell you he's not slow. I can tell you he's electric in the open field. I can tell you he plays boundary receiver. He can run deep routes. Like that's a guy who is the typical guy who's not necessarily ranked in that 25 to 32 range, but you know, he's going to be gone by 61 and if you're not planning on trading around a lot, which fairly enough for Robinson probably is, but if that's not their plan, like if they plan to kind of like stick and pick, then Hamler's a guy who would make a lot of sense for the Titans just off of, you know, he replaces Tajay Sharp and Hamler and or and uh, Tajay Sharp and uh, Khalif Raymond, so you get him playing what. 500 snaps a season you get him playing about 50 percent of the snaps you don't put too much on, on him but you also have a reason to say okay your limited role is you're going to be this guy and then for all short you know short down and distances and red zones we're going to use Corey davis because he's a bigger target yada 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 and you kind of work him in slowly that seems like a very intelligent way to do this so ultimately i guess i'm saying it comes down to wide receiver that you can get on the field early and then make him a long-term starter in 2021 or a cornerback that you can do the same thing with and thinking, you know, 2021 is a Dory Jackson. And also when Malcolm Butler's contract becomes, you know, extremely flexible, no dead money. And th this is not saying that either one of those guys should be gone, but saying casting an eye towards the future and saying, okay, what, 
what scenarios might I have to go through in 2021? And that's, you've got to look at adding some corners. You may have to cut some guys to make some money. You know, running back is also a position, but I just don't think there's value in running back in round one. So I guess gun to my head, it's corner and wide receiver that are most intriguing right now. We're going to take a, uh, a quick break and then bring Teresa Walker onto the show. And then after that, um, we're going to go through the, the media poll. It's media and fan. It's, it's not just media. Uh, so get ready for that, Will. Uh, so 30 seconds and then Teresa Walker and then poll discussion. Okay, so, so I'll, I'll just start by asking you, what, what stood out to you about the calls today? Because we got over an hour combined with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel today. First time we've gotten either one of them uh, since the combine. So there was obviously a lot to, to talk about, a lot of important points to get to. What stood out to you about what they said? Well, probably the one thing that jumped out at me was two things. The fact that he said that, you know, yes, we want to have Derrick Henry here, you know, on a long-term deal and that Derrick Henry is open to that and wants to be here. I think that was kind of the headline that most of us wrote about. I I know I certainly did. And then the second takeaway for me was uh, the Jadavian Clowney confirming that, yes, they had, you know, some, you know, they had some contacts with his agent. So, uh, you know, let's face it, that's kind of been the shoe I think that we've all been waiting to see fall ever since they traded Jarrell Casey away on this, you know, the opening day of free agency. And, and to get just a seventh round pick back, it's like, yeah, this was creating space. And even though he, you know, he was asked about that move and he says, well, we need money to, you know, for the rest of the year, for this, for that. And yes, there's a rookie pool of money that's needed. There's, you know, you have to, you know, be able to assign guys to your practice squad. But, you know, when they got rid, of Jarrell Casey at one point they're you know looking at the NFLPA site uh yesterday particularly Field Yates tweeted out the, the numbers and I checked them on the NFLPA site and you know they were like uh, fifth or so in most cap space now they they have uh you know signed brought back Camille Correa since then and Jack Crawford an Atlanta defensive lineman you know those are kind of depth moves at this point but you know when you trade away a five-time pro bowler and a five-time defensive captain you're expecting a bigger you know, bounce to come back, you know, as a corresponding move. And, you know, uh, Diana Rossini of ESPN tweeted out that his, you know, that Clowney's asking price has dropped from, you know, around 20 million a year to might be getting closer to that 17 million or so a year number. And, you know, the Titans with their familiarity with Mike Vrabel, you know, let's not forget Vrabel coached him as both a linebackers coach in Houston and as coordinator for one year in 2017. So, you know, he knows Clowney and Clowney has the advantage of knowing him, but right now we're in this weird limbo that, uh, you know, they can't really, you know, do their own physical with their doctors because of the limits on travel and, and those kind of things with the, the virus situation. So between that and the time that ticks off, you know, people, no one else has jumped to, to sign Clowney either. The Seahawks want him, and but they are so tight up against the cap that, you know, they've, they've dealt, I think I saw that they had a couple players that failed physicals yesterday. That certainly helps clear up some space, but, you know, they're not as tight against the cap as the Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, they're not far from it themselves. And the time that goes on certainly helps the Titans potentially maybe get a chance to bring Clowney into the mix because his price is falling as every day goes by. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because I can't remember a time where in a free agency period, and granted this is a very unique situation, but I can't remember a time where the team has openly talked about talking to a free agent that they haven't signed or that you know hasn't been in the building and left or anything like that. Just somebody that they're openly interested in. And not only did Robinson say that, but Vrabel came back in the second interview and said that you know Clowney was always extremely prepared and you know, played played through injuries, was tough, gave him a lot of compliments, which is also sort of unlike Vrabel to get into detail uh, with somebody that they're interested in. So did that seem different to you? Did I read too much into that, or did that seem like a unique case? Well, it's partially unique because Clowney is a free agent. He's not under contract to a team. So that allows them to be a little bit more open about their interests. Uh, but let's talk, let's you know let's be honest. Until today, nobody from the Titans had kind of commented on Clowney on the record. So you know there were reports. You know uh, I know my co- my former AP colleague Greg Bell, who now works in Seattle and covers the Seahawks, had said last week that the Titans were one of three teams that were interested in Clowney. But you know, to hear them say yes, we've been in touch with him uh, or his people. And for Vrabel to say you know but that that told me Vrabel's comments tell me that you know they. He, he feels he has a good bead on this kind of guy, on how he works, how he's in meetings, which you would expect as long as he had coached him in Houston. But, you know, he, he didn't – if he's saying that to us, can you imagine what he's saying to John Robinson in private? So that just kind of makes me think they're waiting for the price tag to come down. Plus, you know, he did have a sports hernia surgery after the postseason ended for Seattle. So, you know, the time that goes on brings his price down and maybe gets us to a point where you could get your doctors to, to check him out and, and take a look and, and make sure that he is fully healthy over that. You know, you don't want to buy a ticket and a poke, so to speak. You'd like to make sure he's healthy. That's that's probably the big question at the moment. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, that price tag. You, you know, you're not going to be – when you're at this point of free agency, you're kind of shopping in the bargain bin, but you're probably not the only team that's maybe thinking the longer we go, the more the price tag comes down. Uh, but we are at a point where there's only a handful of NFL teams that are going to be able to probably, you know, come up with that money, even if it's on a one-year deal, like the Titans did last week with Vic Beasley. You know, one-year, $12 million deal, that's that's not bad. You know, but let's face it, Connie's wanting a little bit more. So, you know, it, it makes me just think that, you know, they're trying – that they. it feels like they've got a number in mind they'd like to try to get him at if they can. But, you know, they – Remember, they talked about all that good depth they've got at outside backer on their line. They, you know, they, they're they're talking to talk. You know, they're whistling past the graveyard, saying that they're good if they don't have him. But, you know, of course, if they manage to land him, then of course the Jarrell Casey move was to help clear that space up. And you know, it is interesting you bring up the comments about that that they made about the depth at outside linebacker, and and those were sort of where, where all my questions went. Because to me, especially after the news came out that they're bringing back Kamale Correa on a one-year deal, to me it's almost like if they get Clowney at this point, are there almost too many cooks in the kitchen at outside linebacker? Because at that point you have, you know, your top two would be Clowney and Landry, and then you have Correa, who you're paying $3.5 million. You have Vic Beasley, who's on a one-year prove-it deal. DeAndre Walker, the second-year player. I mean, the list goes on and on. Derek Roberson, uh, you know, Reggie Gilbert, who they traded for last year. Is that too many people at one position, do you think? 
No, because while he was uh, kind of an outside backer in Houston, you know, you go look on NFL.com, et cetera, he's listed as a defensive end. And the one thing we've seen with Mike Brable is, you know, let's not forget multiplicity. You know, when you talk about Jeff Simmons today, you know, whether he could play this position or that position, you know, they like to move guys around. And, you know, Clowney's best strength may actually be defending the run. You know, he can he can absolutely create some havoc there, but he could play DN and be just inside, say, Beasley. Now imagine this, Landry, Simmons, Clowney, Beasley. That's not bad. And then Daquan Jones in there, that's a pretty impressive uh, you know, front there. And then, oh, yeah, you've got Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown there as your inside backers. So suddenly your defense is looking so much better at that point. So, um, yeah, you could find a place to fit him in. And, you know, the one person we know should have a real good grasp on how many different ways he could use Clowney is Mike Rabel. And the guy that right now we're kind of expecting to be calling the plays uh, as defensive coordinator, at least until they tell us differently. You know, we've kind of talked about it a couple of times in the defensive tackle rotation, the defensive line, how that works. To me, and and I guess I'm more on an island uh, talking about this than most people, but I believed that Jeffrey Simmons was the Titans' best defensive lineman when he from week eight on or week nine on whenever he started playing. He just seemed to have a different level of strength. He seemed to impact the pocket differently. I know that they're statistically that he and Casey were not even, and I, I, I get that. But to me, the move to trade Casey is about cap one and about the improvement that they expect Simmons to make, number two. And it, I, I, it would make sense for the team to go after Clowney with that extra cap space. But to me, I think that John Robinson did that more in a vacuum of – we know that we're going to use Jarrell Casey as a rotational player going forward based on what we saw last year. Is that Does that make any sense to you? Because when I seem to say that, people push back on it really hard and they talk about how disruptive Casey is. That's not necessarily what I saw last year. It It's more what I saw two years ago in 2018 when Dean Pease was being more aggressive with the blitzes, when Jayon Brown had six or seven sacks, where where the team was more aggressive as a whole, whereas last year they shifted to more drop guys and play coverage, and I didn't see him win those one-on-one, one-on-two matchups as frequently. So to me that says more about Simmons and the long-term impact he thinks he's going to have versus Casey short and long-term. Well, for Simmons, absolutely. Let's not forget that while they got him at 19, this is a guy who was seen as a top 10 pick, you know, five if he had been fully healthy. So, you know, they've got a guy that when you take, if you get a guy who's in the top five, he is a plug and play starter at that point. And, you know, and, and we've seen some of the videos. Simmons is working out right now this offseason without the brace. You know, his goal was to be ready for 2020, not needing the brace and being, you know, be well beyond the injury. And, you know, we saw him have absolute flashes this last season as a rookie with no offseason whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy that you want to get more playing time because he should be getting more playing time. And, we, I think we all expect with more playing time, he will be making more of those big plays. I mean, he may not end up being on the level of an Aaron Darnold, 
Donald, excuse me, or one of the Bosa's. But guess what? You know, he is a guy who could be making some big impressions, big plays, and, and you know, being the guy you kind of center your front line about around. And then with Casey, you know, he came through in the playoffs. And, you know, but last year, you know, he was kind of hampered by the knee coming through the training camp, activated August 10th, and then he had an injury in, in the season that, you know, kind of slowed him down for a couple of games. And, and I think that may have been what slowed him down. And, you know, he did miss the regular season finale the year before. So when you've got a guy with that much money invested in him, you know, I think that he'll probably go to Denver and still be a Pro Bowl uh, player this year. But the Titans took the gamble of, you know, we've got this young guy who we think we can absolutely anchor the line on and we can clear some space, maybe do something else, Clowney, and, uh, you know, maybe take the chance of getting out while the getting's good. You know, that's the thing. You don't want to be sitting there holding the bag on somebody whose time has come and gone. You know, you'd rather risk it missing a few games of production as opposed to, you know, holding on to, you know, writing the check for somebody who is just not what they were. Now, I do think Casey's going to be good this year, especially with all the motivation he's got having been traded. But, you know, the Titans made that move, and as, as Robinson said, they were ready to move on. And, you know, probably that was started uh, last year when Jeff Simmons was still on the board when they were able to pick at 19, and they jumped all over that. I thought that Corey Curtis from News 2 asked a really good question today about how, you know, if this – whole FaceTime, Zoom, Skype thing was the norm last year for the draft that it is this year thanks to the coronavirus. If they would have been able to draft Jeffrey Simmons without having a face-to-face interview, and it almost for a second kind of stumped Robinson, and, and he sort of came to you and said, yeah, they probably still would have drafted him. But, but on that note, my, my last question for you is, what's your take as someone who has, has covered the league for a while on the draft being the way that it's going to be this year? Because, you know, sure, it doesn't matter that they're just going to call the picks in and there's not going to be a bunch of hoopla in Las Vegas. All it is is a selection meeting at the end of the day anyway. But what does get hampered is the preparation process. Oh, absolutely. And it is different. But, uh, you know, they're not able to bring in up to 30 guys. And when you can bring them in, it's one thing to to go through the cattle call process at the combine where you get some interviews. But when you can bring them to your building, walk them around and they can meet with a position coach, you know, the trainers can look at them and you can get that up close view. You know, so now they still have technology that will allow them to do FaceTime or Zoom, and you can get them on a screen, and you can ask a question, and you can watch how they respond, you know, so you can at least see their face. But, uh, you know, yeah, there is a difference. Uh, you know, we, do you take a chance on somebody that you've got character questions on or, you know, you, you've got them graded maybe a little lower because of things? Well, this is where, you know, it, your scouts having done their work all this last season and their work talking to assistant coaches and then those relationships. You know, if you've got a guy that you're looking at that you're, you know, you're not sure maybe he had an arrest or, you know, there's, there's question marks that came up at the, the combine. Well, you call his head coach, you call his position coach, you know, maybe, you know, one of your guys knows the, the high school coach or, you know, the person that's training him now, you know, you, there's still different avenues to get information, to build your base. But, you know, let's face it with, with Simmons last year, you know, they had done a lot of legwork kind of made me think that uh, after the ACL that he may have gotten onto their picture at that point, thinking he could drop to them. Um, and, and if you've got somebody who think 
whether it's character or injury issues that's going to maybe drop, that's when you do the extra leg work. You do more homework than you would ordinarily do. And, and right now you're limited. Maybe it's a Zoom call. Maybe it's FaceTime. Uh, you know, that's where technology is helping everybody get around it. And, you know, the NFL, face-to-face is great, but they can make it work. Uh, one more thing. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about what would happen if Clowney came and the interesting packages they could use. Uh, we know Vic Beasley is going to be a Tennessee Titan next year. Do we think that he steps into the Cameron Wake designated pass rusher role, or do you think that if Clowney doesn't sign that they're willing to make him almost a full-time starter, like an 80% of the snap kind of guy? Well, he's a young guy, so I would expect him at least at this point to be a starter and be looking for a lot of those snaps because he's got the resume. I mean, you know, 2016, he led the NFL in sacks. So this is a guy who has had production. And, you know, that's the one thing about uh, sports. Every coach thinks they can take a guy and help find that button to push or, you know, scheme to fit and find a way to get them back to what they were. And, you know, Keith Carter is the offensive line coach. Well, guess what? He was in Atlanta, you know, and that's why they signed Ty Sambrello last week. You know, he used to, you know, be coached by Keith Carter in Atlanta. Well, Keith Carter, I'm sure his offensive lineman went up against Vic Beasley a few times. So you can get some insight into what you think this young man can do. Um, but, again, this is just his uh, – I think it will be his sixth year in the NFL. He, he should be counted off the starter. Unlike Cam Wake, who was 37 last year, and you were trying to pick your spots to you know, pass, rush the passer with him, you know, this is a guy who's young and should have a lot of snaps in him. And even if you do find, wind up getting a clowny here – you know, you're going to be able to, you know, that's going to make it really tough on offenses because they're not going to be sure exactly what's coming out there and lining up against them. And, you know, that, that you know, Mike Rabel would probably go, you know, crazy trying to scheme up all sorts of different things with uh, uh, with Jim Hazlitt so they can figure out what how to go after quarterbacks. So that would, that would be really fun to see. But, you know, even without that, it looked for Vic Beasley to get a lot of snaps. And I think the person who will benefit most from this We'll probably be on the other side, Harold Landry. Teresa, we thank you so much for joining us and for your time, and we hope that you and your family stay well and sane as all of this continues. Absolutely, and the same to you both. And, yeah, let's just uh, pray that the uh, days keep going, no matter how groundhog-like they are, and we all get through this uh, safe and healthy, and, and sports will be waiting for us on the other side. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That was that was really great, Will. And uh, before we cut to a, a commercial, I, I want to highlight something that she said. You know, we, we asked the question about preparing for the draft without these face-to-face meetings. And I thought it was a very interesting point she made about if you have a guy where you kind of want to get into his head, call the coach. Call the people that know him best to get that opinion. That's something I really hadn't thought about. Yeah, it's it's interesting because the one person that off the top of my head, uh, the Titans have always had a really good relationship. It's it's sort of weird to say, but I'll explain. Is Bob Shoup, who's been a defensive coordinator at Tennessee. He's been a defensive coach at Penn State. He's been a defensive coach at Mississippi State. And recently, 
He's worked with Jeffrey Simmons, who the Titans drafted first round, uh, Austin Johnson, who the Titans drafted in the second round a few years ago. And th- there have been other guys who have come on practice squad or who've been tangentially asso- associated with him in some capacity. And they seem to really like what he does. Uh, the, off the top of my head, the best connection there would be Yedigros Matos from Penn State, the edge rusher. So uh, th- that might be making a leap to say that. But if there's a coach that I know that they trust and that I've heard them say they trust and who's come and you know run those coaching clinics and worked with them in the past, it's Bob Shoup. So uh, right now the Titans are kind of – in that no man's land where you're going to have to take what you can get. If you want a first round talent, like regardless of position, which probably means a running back uh, down there at 29. So if they're willing to reach for those fringe first round, like second round grade kind of guys, I yet uh, Matos a lot. So it is interesting to hear her say that because he's somebody who's always been a guy when you watch him on film that does the dirty work, isn't afraid to take on a pulling blocker and, you know, isn't afraid to set somebody up for success, which is always something that this coaching staff likes a lot. So if that's true and that's kind of the filter that we think that draft prospects are going to go through, I would consider the Titans not the first spot for the first team that could take Yeter Gross Matos, but I think they might be up there. So that is really interesting to hear her say. Okay, we're going to take a 30-second break. After this, we will be back for a few more discussions and then to close out the show with Stop the Nonsense. We'll be right back. Okay, so I, I have my iPad out, and I am pulling up the media poll. This is from at Chat10Sports. It was right before the conference call today that I, I got the notification. Uh, I am in it, and you are in it. Will, you're in the fan side. They put me in the uh, the media side. And uh, it's I, I'm interested to see how this thing goes. For, I mean, first of all, so if you look at this thing, it's, it's basically like a March Madness bracket with fans and, uh, and media. Uh, and fan on one side, media on the other side, and then the final – will be uh, on April the 13th in two weeks, fan v the, the media champion. And so the seeding was done, it says, by a number of Twitter followers. And I'm proud to report that I was the 31st seed of 32 media people with former <laughs> Titans general manager Floyd Reese, the only person below me. I mean, that's that's very impressive. Like, tough. You've you've passed up a uh, general manager, so that's yes. Well, Any general manager? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess he was a good one, wasn't he? Like, he drafted some good players. He did pass Brandy Moss for Kevin. Means that he's 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 not the worst former Titans front office guy on this list. <laughs> that so. is very there. <laughs> that is very true. Um, also, not the worst. You know, not not on this list. Um, what do you, what do you think about this? Is this something that I mean? I remember last year the big poll thing that went around was the uh, the Fox Sports like best fan poll that Matt Neely supposedly bought votes for, which was outstanding. Uh, you know, like it, it's one of those things where if we weren't all stuck in at home right now, I, no one I would, would be, care. Yeah, I would be very aggravated to be added on this list. But what else do I have to do? Well, <laughs> like, you it's know, funny. It's I, like, s- I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I don't care about this. 
Uh, but then, uh, so my matchup in round one is the two seed, who's Kaharski. And Will Compton <laughs> tweeted at Kaharski and said, you need to focus on more important things like winning the first round. And so I tweeted back. A lot of football left. Yeah, I, I tweeted back at Will, and I said, uh, you need to be my hype man since I'm the underdog. And he said, dude, you're not even tweeting it out yourself. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess that's a good point. Uh, so, so, so that's my round one matchup is Kaharski, and yours is Will. Um, Great question. <laughs> fast, fast, nasty. I do know who that yes, is. Correct. I do know who that is. I, uh, I don't know much about him, but I would recognize him in a crowd because I've seen his picture before on here. Um, you know, you're uh, now if you win, you would. Uh, potentially be um, entering a either against Buckethead TN or Sean Cauldron. I know one of those people. I do not know the other one. I mean, it, Sean, by the way, works uh, with me at Titan Size. So, oh, okay. like, I, I do know some, oh, uh, now I know who that is. I know who that is. Yeah. Uh, Buckethead terrifies me because of his, his uh I mean, his, his, he's on, the one who is, his pictures is always a mug shot of someone yeah it's yeah it's like usually like some guy from florida who like is insane yeah so i'm like i like i i don't want to be crossed with any of those people in the picture so you know <laughs> whatever but at the same time i mean i don't think i have to worry about that this is fun i think this is fun yeah what, what's i mean a, uh, What's a matchup you think is interesting on here? Uh, I think the, of the current matchups, uh, I think uh, the busting with the boys is, is fun just because it's interesting to see because uh, they're going against Eric uh, Backrack, who we've had, we've had on the show before, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he's, you know, pretty good at his job. Like, it's not, it's not like he – the, you know, busting with the boys well, is going against a nobody who. But some of these people aren't really media. Like busting with the boys, they're not Titans media. They have a podcast. Correct, and I'm not sure how they get a six seed. Um, I mean, Buck, Ta- Taylor, Taylor Lewan is not media. He he is the thing being covered. Yeah, that is, that is a fair point. Uh, Tehran versus Buck is interesting. That is interesting. Tehran will win that one, I think. Um, Jim, Jim Wyatt versus the hapless Blake Bettingfield. That's that one feels uh, <laughs> like it's getting the proper voting. Yeah. Like Jim Wyatt. It's like ninety six uh, to four last time I looked. Yeah, like it as it should be. Like if there's right now, there's twelve hundred and fifty votes. If twelve hundred of those are not for Jim Wyatt, I have to assume that Blake Bettingfield is Buffalo billing the Titans, where he's just continuously like buying people to click on his link. Like I, I cannot imagine that. I think the most uh, insulting thing on here is that Teresa Walker was like a nineteen seed, but it was based on Twitter followers. So that's that surprised me. Uh, that's- uh, also, uh, Nate Bain versus John Glennon is a fun matchup. Yes, I think I think my, uh, my my favorite matchup is Austin Stanley, who signs my paychecks, versus Joe Rexroad, who is hilarious. And whoever wins that one will hold it like you know hold, hold what's the word I'm looking for? Hold it over the other one. Oh yeah, yeah. That which you know like 
that's what this should be. This should be like a fun thing to talk about with the person you beat. Yes. It should be like nobody should take pride in this at the end of the day. Like, oh, there, like, there, there are most certainly people on this document who, if they win, will like, you know, do their victory lap and act like it is some monumental accomplishment. One of them that you're competing with directly. Yes. If, if, Carson, <laughs> if Carson won it, uh, he would bring it up frequently. If he doesn't win it, he would never talk about it again and he would constantly diminish it. So, you know, as I think whoever wins it or whoever loses in the first round will do. Um, all these are, there are a lot of pretty interesting matchups. Uh, Dawn Davenport versus Zach. Yeah. Your Zach. So like, that's interesting that like Amy Wells is somehow a 17 seed. Like she feels like a final four person. Mike Keith versus Floyd Reese. We kind of hinted at earlier, but I mean, Mike Keith has should have the fan base to carry him all the way to the finals. Like is that, is that it, the, it should be the, those top two. Is that the donut division? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That, that's the donut, uh, the Southwest bracket if, version. If, of the if you don't know what we're talking team. about, we're not making fat jokes. But usually on Amy Wells and Mike Keith's podcast, they're eating Dunkin' Donuts for whatever reason. They they love Dunkin' Donuts, and I don't know if they're a sponsor. Like I think they're a sponsor for the Titans. I know they're a sponsor for the Predators. Like maybe there's some sort of overlap there. I don't know. But it is always very interesting because neither one of them looks like they've ever eaten a donut before in their life. Like Mike Keith is like deceptively like like you wouldn't think he's like strong or anything from like when you see him and he's just not a very imposing figure. But, you know, like I've seen him in person before and it's been a long time. And I mean, he's not some little scrawny guy. and He's not fat either. I'm like, oh, like he could handle himself. And Amy Wells is you know, Amy Wells, like everybody knows she doesn't yeah. look like she just eats a box today, but every time they're on the podcast, she talks about how she's had like two donuts and I'm like, that must be all you eat because <laughs> I like, if I have two donuts, that's not the end of my day. But I, I think the hardest matchup for me is Justin Mello, who we'll have on here in a couple of weeks to talk about the draft uh, versus Mr. Lebowski from F words pod. Two fantastic Twitter follows. Yeah, those are, um, those are great. Uh, Titans film room, by the way, is the two seed. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I, I don't know how I would classify Titans film. Room. I guess a fan because they don't, they're not. I guess although they're with MCM, right? So I don't know. I'm not sure where they're classified, but I, I love Titans film room. Like they, they are incredibly interesting, and I, I like all the stuff they do. So yeah. Um, some of these are very weird because it's like. RPO pod versus uh, Chelsea Hornsby, which is a weird matchup because it's like an entire podcast versus a person, which yes, that seems strange to me compared to like all the other like breakdowns. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just happy to be your 26th yeah. seed, the 26th seed of the people. So be sure you go and vote for Will and I, Will and me. Yeah, Will and me. I had to get the grammar right there. Um, and as, as we close out, let's do Stop the Nonsense. Will, you got one? Yeah, so uh, Mock Draft, this is officially like Mock Draft season. Everybody but, should be reading them and checking them out. It's also officially bad Mock Draft season, apparently. Yeah, which which comes with it. And so, uh, you know, Jim White did, has done, a, done this a couple times. It's a collection of Mock Drafts around uh, 
around the internet all that. I'm not on it, which I take personally, but that's fine. But uh, there are a lot of people, and the, there's something like 30 people. Uh, I, I can't see an exact count, but as we've said before, the, the Titans have no shortage of places they can go. You can make a case for a lot of different positions, but we've specifically said that you cannot make an argument for inside linebacker and safety. And surprisingly enough, people are out there still picking inside linebacker and safety that apparently are worth Jim White's mentions on uh, on the Titans, you know, actual page. So I'll shout them out real quick. Christopher Knox from Bleacher Report as the Titans taken Patrick Queen, the second best linebacker in the draft from LSU. And I like Patrick Queen. He he would be the Titans' fourth linebacker. Uh, that seems insane to me. Uh, you also have Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press, who has the Titans drafting Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU. So that's also, I just don't understand that. Their so, two most filled positions are safety and inside yeah, linebacker. I truly, I truly don't understand it. So, like, I mean, my stop the nonsense this time of year is usually people that identify, you know, one position and are set on it like Mel Kuyper saying that the Titans are going to draft a tight end in the first round for the past you know five years because he's had guys he's called first round tight ends that he's trying to fill in the blanks with but now is a time where there's so many wide receivers that you've that everybody has stood on the table for there's so many offensive tackles and corners that people are so ready to pump up why would you put players on the Titans that you don't have to if you're going to pick a position don't pick off-ball linebacker or safety where you can only start two people pick wide receiver or pick running back where depth is always fun to have like you know there's a thousand different ways you can spin this to where even if they already have a starter in position where they're worth a backup like it it just feels like such a bad attempt to just look at your draft board and say oh i forgot to put that person i'm gonna put them there and say I know that the Titans already have this and this, but they should also add this. Yeah. It's at this point, at this point, it's not, it's, it doesn't make me mad. It doesn't even aggravate me. Even if I say it does, it's just nonsense. And that's, that's a big part of why we started this segment is because yes. I, I, I particularly would get so frustrated with people who just were talking about the Titans and didn't know what they were talking about. And it's just nonsense is the perfect word for it. And this is the epitome of stop the nonsense, which is stop running your mouth about the Titans if you don't know anything about them. Well, you know, it's funny. When we came up with the idea for this segment, what the, the first thing that I thought of was Benjamin Solak trying to give the Titans uh, uh, Greedy Williams last year in the draft. That was like... God, what... <laughs> And like in the, it would constantly be uh, Bleacher Report would always whether it was Matt Miller or uh, whoever the dude is with I don't, I don't listen to that but uh, he would always they would always talk about how it's like yeah like the Titans have like at starting corners and then they would you could tell they were pulling up the roster in the background and they would say <laughs> oh and they also have this guy but you can never have too many corners and like there's times where you could get four corners on the field and I'm like what are you talking about like just stop the podcast and go back and change your pick like you're not married to this and it's mistakes that they would make two or three times a draft season so like even yeah. when they were wrong 
caught themselves being wrong. They would never commit it to long-term memory. And that's when it like really got frustrating where I would just like send group messages and I would just be like, listen to this at this point. It's the worst I've ever heard anything. So, you know, it's just like when people, uh, you'll, you'll hear people do this too leading up to the draft. Well, that where they'll say, you know, the Titans have to draft a defensive tackle because they traded Casey. That's not true. They drafted one last year. Everybody just forgot because they don't pay attention to the Titans. So, you know, this is, again, this is the epitome of nonsense. Please, everybody, if you see somebody do this, immediately ignore them and stop reading their stuff. So this week, my Stop the Nonsense is um, a piece of apparel. So every year, New Era, who's the NFL's hat supplier, uh, releases draft hats. Now, they're not going to be very useful this year because I don't know that anybody's getting one. Um, but typically, they give all the players that get drafted the hat from their team uh, that selects them so they can walk across the stage in it. And in recent years, the designs have been pretty bad. Like, like I remember last year's being particularly ugly. Uh, but, but I saw the Titans, and it's really cool looking. They, they turned the power thumbtack into a um, into like neat like a neon sign from Vegas, and so you have the outline from it, and they try to make it very Vegasy, and I thought it looked really cool. I, I, Will, I think you shared that opinion. Yeah, the, they look great. And so, anyway, so I'm looking at these things, and the one that I keep hearing about is everyone's like, "You got to see the Browns. You got to see the Browns. The Browns looks ridiculous. The Browns looks ridiculous." So, so I Google, uh, you know, Browns draft hat. I. I don't know what in the world's going on here. I actually, I, I just sent a DM on Twitter to a Browns fan that I know. I said, "What is going on here?" And he just responded. He said, "I wish I had a good answer. All I can say is stupidity." Like I've never even seen this thing before. It looks like a skull and crossbones wearing a mini skirt, holding an ice cream cone. Literally, like. <laughs> Well, well, okay. So a lot of y'all will know it as the little elf that uh, is sometimes associated with the Browns. It's I've like never, I've their never seen third this most thing popular logo. I've never seen. Yeah, it before. It's, it's very strange. Okay, well that that's not the weird part about. It. Uh, I mean that it is. First of all, it is very weird to see that thing. But to me, and maybe this is just something that like I noticed where I was like, oh, I hope that's not what they're going for, but. It's a black cap, like we talked about, with a neon sign. So the outline of the face has to be in white. But that elf, which you, you have never seen, Luke, but is a you know a white person elf, and it very much to me looks like a person in blackface, which is why I was like, that is I can see wild. that. It, so like I encourage you to look it up. Maybe that's just me being overly sensitive. Maybe it's not, but. It, it looks, it looks bad. The optics on it are not good. They should have just gone with the dog, which is what they always do anyway. Or the but the, the helmet, the, the, the helmet the, logo. Yeah, like, yeah, literally anything but this. <laughs> I mean, there's times where we see teams be so oddly tone deaf or like not understand what's going on. Like when the Bucks put those weird digital clock numbers on their jerseys, and like people all hated it. Like there, there's things that people do that. If you felt, you feel like if you would just went out and asked three people, like they're like, yeah. "Hey, do these look bad?" They would all say, "Yeah, obviously, don't put those on there." Like it feels like if they focus grouped it with anybody, it would have been better. I, 
I don't know, may, maybe we're in the minority, but it sure feels like this is, the, you know, obviously the worst hat I've seen in years. I just wonder, like, who gave this the thumbs up instead of, like you said, putting the dog or the helmet? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, it, it, it's not, it's, it, I don't even know. It would be like if instead of a Titans logo, they put, like, what's his name? Hyperion? The guy who uh, has that axe now that's in the Titan Stadium, who's the, uh, the oh, mascot. You know um, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about, yeah. People people who've been to the stadium will know, and that's why this is important reference is because it's such a small group of people. But, like, it's a guy who dresses up like an old uh, – not, not old, but like a warrior from Greece or Rome or like or from 300 where they just have the big uh, Spartan face mask on. And then with like the Brillo thing on top, and then he's like shirtless with a big axe. It would be like if they put that there, because first would be the Titans logo, second would be T Rack, and then third is this very obscure random figure that they have in the stadium only that only really like hardcore fans know. So it's just a very weird choice all around. It's bad branding, it's bad optics. I, I have to think what happened is that the NFL said, hey, we're going to use this logo. Uh, is that okay? And the Browns said, yeah. And then they sent them something, and the Browns just forgot to click the attachment, and were like, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we will be back next week to start draft talk. It's crazy. It's three. It's like Finally. just over three weeks away. Yeah. Uh, as we record this, it's April Fool's Day, so it's April 1st. So, I mean, in draft month and not only are the titans still not settled on their biggest potential signing whether they're going to make it or not i'm not sure we've talked about it on the podcast for more than five minutes at a time yeah like not even on the podcast recording, but just before like we have talked so little about it this year that it's it, it almost feels like we're behind and we need to catch up. So th- this will be a very interesting week for us. Yeah, so we've got three weeks to talk about the draft. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to have Justin Mello on as we do annually at, at some point over the next few weeks. Um, we're going to try to have some other guests on and, and get you all ready for the draft as best we know how, which is just talking football and, and no conjecture and no pro football focus. No, no, no pro football focus can be found here <laughs> on Stop the Nonsense. Um, so happy April. Uh, we're out of March, which was a terrible month for our country. Uh, hopefully things will get a little bit better with the virus and uh, life will get back to normal sooner than later. Until next time, for Will and Matias, who's not here, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.